Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 137 of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt Sin, and I'm here with two co-hosts today. The first one being my little brother, Micah. Say hi, Micah. I won't do it. Come on. I won't do it. I refuse. (sighs) Fine. Why don't don't you ask our new new guest? Okay, fine. Well, as, as you know, if you were listening last week, you know Kyle was drafted to Wrestle Life Underground. So we have a new wrestler here, or new co-host, excuse me, uh, that is going to be our third person here permanently at Russell Life Radio on our weekend review show. Um, and it's he's a luchador. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hola, hola. Uh, mi amo es el chico flaco. El el chico flaco. Sí. What does that mean? Eh, uh, how you say, uh, the skinny boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the absolute best. Good job. Ja, 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 ja. That's great. That's great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. The draft doesn't matter anyway. That's right. So- <laughs> Wrestle Life Underground was canceled. All right, um, let me let me take this thing off. <laughs> Your luchador mask. Yep. I can't breathe in this thing. Oh, but you have to wear a mask. COVID. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I was wearing two masks. That's the problem. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. That's yeah. what Pentagon does. Yeah, it's Phoenix. really cool looking too. Yeah, oh, man. It is. So anyway, we... well, that's the show, guys. Yeah. We're not. We're, was, it's yeah. all downhill we, we from there. We can't stop that. <laughs> we're done. That was episode 137. Follow us on social media. Um, before we get into AEW, let's do a little bit of this day in wrestling history. Okay. Did you know that today, October 21st, 48 years ago, All Japan Pro Wrestling held its first ever show? Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the main. It was main evented by Giant Baba and Thunder Sugiyama versus Bruno San Martino and Terry Funk. Wow, huh. that's 48 very, years ago. That's really interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I saw that and I'm like, yeah, it's this crazy is to me sharing. that Bruno San Martino and Terry Funk wrestled at the same time. I know. Terry Funk's just been around forever. I'm pretty sure he's still wrestling. Times. He's probably yeah. still wrestling somewhere in some retirement home. Yeah. He'll he'll show up in AEW in a couple months. They're like, oh, is, is he going to be a new manager? Nope. He's going to wrestle John Moxley for the World Heavyweight Championship. And Moxley's yeah. going to kill him. And he'll look good doing it. Or uh, uh, Funk will look good taking it. Yep, I'm sure he will. And uh, he'll probably blade. And, uh, you know, if Cody doesn't blade for him. Yes, he is an absolute madman. Yeah, he for real is. So let's do, um, let's do some AEW. Let's open up with AEW Dynamite, yeah? Let's go Ignite. Let's, let's go Ignite. Dynamite. Yes, I don't know the other lyrics. Yeah, that's I've heard it much. a thousand times. Didn't they play it at the show, Matt? They do play it at the show. I've, I've heard it a thousand times. I have no idea what it is. They don't have a little bouncy ball with the lyrics? <laughs> they don't have a little bouncy ball, but that would be amazing so we could sing be, with it. That would be great. They need to do that with Judas soon. Yeah, my wife... Everybody, everybody knows Judas. They've already sang it before. I can't. <laughs> Friggin' Sammy Guevara doesn't. Well, yeah, that's true. Every time he sings it, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but every time my wife sings the AEW theme, she sings the wrong lyrics on purpose. And so now every time I hear those lyrics. So uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's boom, let's go ignite Saturday night. That's what she 
That's what she sings. I don't know why it doesn't okay. even happen on Saturday no. night, but that's no. what happens. It definitely doesn't. So, anyways, let's get into AEW's Dynamite Anniversary Show. It has been one year of AEW Dynamite. Is that not insane to think about? I it mean, is absolutely nuts. It's it's been a year of me enjoying wrestling. That's kind yeah. of crazy. A little bit longer. A little bit longer. I started with the first All Out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been great ever since. Not even uh, no drafts. Nothing like that. Nothing. Nothing crazy happening. Nothing weird. Nothing too weird. I think probably the worst show of this last year, I probably gave like a C minus. Yeah. And I think that was probably the Thanksgiving show that I really didn't care for. So yeah. I would say it's a really successful year for AEW. Surprised a lot of people, namely Vince McMahon, uh, Triple H as well. But uh, yeah, glad to, glad to have Dynamite. And they're opening out the show with FTR versus Best Friends, which is totally fitting. Because AEW seems to be built on their tag team division. So uh, what a way to start it out with your tag team champions being defended. Not only that, it's a full 60-minute match. It is not a 20-minute brush with greatness, so they say. Uh, Not that it matters, because I don't think it actually even went 20 minutes. It did not go 20 minutes. It went about probably 18 or so. Yeah. Yeah, it It was, I think, a pretty solid match. It definitely had an old school feel with it, as FTR matches tend to do. But they were able to like keep up the pace, I think, a little bit with the best friends yeah. being in there, um, which it, it always works out with FTR. I think when they're with a newer style tag team, uh, of course, F- SCU is an older style tag team, and that's one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. So maybe they're right. just they're just good sometimes. I don't know. Like I, like I've said before, sometimes I don't like them. Sometimes I like them. I don't know what to think about them. But this match was good. I like Best Friends. I like FTR. Uh, some notable spots, particularly, uh, they have some really good tag team maneuvers. I mean, if you want to look at some good tag team wrestling, uh, they had like some some combos, as you would have in the WWE games, where like uh, FTR would, uh, one of them, like they did a suplex into, uh, what do they call it? They put the knees to the back, and then they did like- Backcracker? Yeah, it was some really good stuff there. Uh, Trent went to spear one of the FTR guys, I think it was Cash Wheeler, through the arcade machine that is ringside, uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford's arcade machine, but Cash Wheeler was able to dodge, and Trent just went right through that arcade machine, uh, and, and Kip just looked heartbroken. He, I mean, he may never recover. He also specifically made Penelope go get, it's like she ran off. He, so he, said, he said, go get Miro. Like, go get Dad. My brother broke my thing. Right. <laughs> Dad, you're going to be in so much trouble. I mean, that's that's kind of what it came off like to me. But uh, the match continued. Uh, FTR was about to get their finisher off on, uh, I think it was Trent. And Chuck Taylor managed to get back in the ring. And it seemed like maybe he was going to turn the tides a little bit. But Cash Wheeler was able to use the title belt to hit Chuck Taylor behind the ref's back. And that allowed uh, Harwood to cover him for the win. So FTR did retain. Like I said, pretty good match. Not the best match they've had, but still a pretty solid match. And uh, out came Miro. Uh, FTR kind of scuttled off to hide their heel shenanigans. And Penelope Ford brings out Miro. He is noticeably upset. You can notice it by the fact that he tried to kill Trent. Uh, Chuck Taylor did nothing. He even tweeted out, like, this was all Greg. It wasn't wasn't me. Don't uh, <laughs> don't, don't hurt me, please, Miro. 
But yeah, uh, they're upset. They destroyed his arcade game. And he said something to the effect of, if you break my air quote stuff, game over. I think that was a really cringy line. What did you feel? I mean, it's it it felt it felt like it felt it felt like WWE like forced tagline kind of thing to me. It wasn't fluid. It, was it kind of cringy to you, or is it just me? Yeah, it was a little cringy. But you know, I want Miro to do well, so I will overlook it. But you know, his finishers called the game over, and it's fine. But like everyone likes video games now, man. Like Twitch isn't just your thing. I don't really like. Miro this way. I'd rather see him in other ways because he's too good. Yeah, I, I agree. I haven't been totally impressed in his debut. Uh, speaking of unimpressed with his debut, that changes right over into a squash match. Yes. It's the anniversary Which show. On finish. It's the anniversary show, guys. Why are we having a squash match? I, I get quick. maybe you wanted Miro on. That's the, I don't want it to be quick. It needs to be a match. Real matches. I mean, I, I get they wanted to have Miro on the card, but... I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't care for squash matches, especially on big shows. If you just need to fill out a regular show, I kind of get it. And especially if you're gonna have a squash match, I mean, you shouldn't have a botch, especially your finisher. It it, it just looked pretty bad. Miro went for his was it camel clutch, and he clutched about six inches above uh, Sean Maluda's head. Looked yes. real bad. Looked real bad. Uh, but they did come up with a win. Miro actually looked pretty strong, other than the botch. I feel like Miro and Sabian would really benefit from a good quality opponent. I think it's pretty smart to put them against the best friends. Number one, best friends just won their really long uh, feud with Santana and Ortiz. Mm -hmm. They did just lose to FTR, but that is the tag champion, so we can't really fault them for that too much. So I feel like it's okay if best friends lose to Miro and Sabian to put them over. They just got taken out of the tag team picture, one would assume, for at least a little while. So putting Miro and Sabian over would make sense. Not only that, they're very talented, and they have a good match with pretty much anybody. Not only that, JR mentioned they have more tag team wins than anybody in the company, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, Uh, wow. They've been in a lot of work, especially in the COVID era. But, uh, yeah, they have the most tag team wins of anybody, and I think Trent may have, like, the second most wins overall next to Kenny Omega. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty— I was there live, so I didn't get to listen to the commentary. Yeah. Must be be nice. No, the commentary was was, was pretty good this this episode. But, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of iffy still on Miro. We will see what happens after he gets a real feud going with some real opponents. Uh, Sorry, Joey Janela, but— you know, you are what you are. Uh, but yeah, and uh, I think it was right after that, we cut backstage and Moxley and Archer are going into it backstage. And I'm not going to mention that every time this happened, just know that throughout the show, this was happening. It happened three or four times. They cut backstage, Archer and Moxley are fighting. It's just, it's a, it's kind of a way for them to build the feud up since Archer was out for the last few weeks due to COVID. Right. They kind of felt like it maybe lost a little bit of steam going into the show. So it's a good way to get a little bit heat of heat back for the main event. And I, I agree with their their booking of this. And I'll go ahead and spoil it now. They announce later in the show that due to all these shenanigans, it will be a no disqualification match. So we'll see where that goes. I think that makes sense for the two of them to have a no DQ match. Yes. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now we have MJF's big announcement. And you were there for this live. 
How uh, yes. how great was it having MJF and Chris Jericho in the ring right right before your eyes? It was absolutely incredible. Like Jericho wasn't technically booked for the show, so when MJF came out and called him out, like part of me was a little skeptical because I'm like, okay, is like the clown Jericho gonna come out? And you know, that's that would be very WWE. Oh right? yeah, that'd be awful. Like, that's how I'm how I'm trained to think. But when Jericho and all the guys actually came out, it was it was really cool. Sorry, I couldn't couldn't unclick my mute button there, but yeah, I I do uh, I do really like MJF and Jericho. Anytime they're in the ring, it's gold. And some people were saying this segment went on a little bit too long, but honestly, this segment was my favorite part of the show. So give it as much time as you need. Uh, MJF comes out, you know, he's been teasing all week this big announcement, and he's he's obviously comes out to a chorus of boos, and he called out to Chris Jericho like you said, and he wanted to present his announcement. For the champion. Of course, uh, Chris Jericho comes out with the entire inner circle by his side. Sammy Guevara was there with no jacket because, you know, MJF forgot his jacket. But MJF mentions, right. hey, hey, Sammy, I, I, I got you your jacket, man. Why don't you put your jacket on? And he's like, no, no, man, I'm good. And Chris is like, it's, it's rude. Sammy, he gave you a gift. Put on the jacket. So Sammy Guevara pulls out Andre the Giant's jacket. And it's, it's literally like a 4 5 XL it's silly it he looks like a child wearing his father's coat i mean it's it's ridiculous it's very small it's it's very large he's very small oh yes yes it it was very big (laughs) yes excuse me uh of course mjf is attempting to flatter chris jericho in the inner circle uh jericho kind of cuts him off it's like all right man let's get to the point let's let's what what are we going to here Uh, mjf brings up how both men are at the top of their game but yet they've never crossed paths in the ring MJF kind of struggles to say what he really wants to say. He says, "Chris Jericho, I would like to, I would like to," and he kind of like he kind of goes off to the side. He's like, "Pull it together, MJF. This is embarrassing. Come on, Max, you can do this." And he does that. He does it a few more times. Ortiz takes the microphone. like, "You know what? I've heard enough. We don't want you to join the inner circle, MJF. Nobody here likes you." We don't want you. Give it up. Jericho butts in and saying, you know what? Why don't, why don't we think about it? You know, we've, we've got a lot in common. But how about, and he gets kind of close up to MJF's face in the classic, like, I'm about to challenge you for a match pose, pulls the microphone close to Mac. How about next week on AEW Dynamite, Wednesday night, MJF and Chris Jericho one-on-one for a steak dinner? And they all just like, whoa, man, this is too much. Blowing their minds, yes. blowing their minds. I I love this segment. This was I knew something was coming. Oh. I just didn't know what it was. So good. Uh, next week's episode has a booked one-on-one steak dinner with a match card and everything. So we're gonna see what happens there. I still think this is probably leading to MJF trying to take the inner circle. Uh, whether or not that will happen or not. I don't know. I don't really know how they could go with it. Uh, where do you where do you think they're going with this MJF Chris Jericho thing? I agree with you. I think he's probably going to try to slither his way into the inner circle. Um, I think that he will join the inner circle, um, and he will destroy them from the inside. I don't know if he's actually going to take over the inner circle uh, more more so than actually uh, break them apart. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. What do you Mike, think? You, uh, you asked where this is going. I'll tell you where it's going. Okay. Straight to the bank. Straight to the bank. That's right. 
Money, baby. For our for our resident luchador. See. Si. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think this will really be a big money match when they do it. I think this will be a uh, a match to watch for sure. I mean, I don't know if they're doing it as quick as full gear, but I think for anybody for Chris Jericho to put over at this point in his career, MJF is the perfect person to do it. Right. Uh, and not only that, the more him and Jericho feud, the more that it, uh, Jericho comes off as a baby face. So are they turning Jericho face? I don't know. I don't know. I, I th- I mean, he at least has to play the face against MJF, right? He's not going to outfeel MJF because that kind of takes some of the shine away from MJF, I feel like. So he has to play the baby face in this feud. So maybe he'll play the baby face for this feud, go back to his heelish ways afterwards. I don't know. Jericho's more of a natural heel to me than a face, but he can play either way. So we will see. Uh, After that, we had Cody versus Orange Cassidy. I was a little skeptical of this match. I didn't entirely agree with the booking. Orange Cassidy just lost to Brody Lee. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he's lost to Cody before, hasn't he? No, not Cody. No. Uh. No, he lost to Brody Lee. He lost to somebody else. I don't remember who. Anyways, lost to Brody Lee. Immediately gets a rematch for the TNT title to the person that beat Brody Lee. And it's, it's questionable booking. However, I can see how... They feel it's a big match, Cody versus Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's the guy they've really been trying to push. Uh, also throughout this match, you can see Darby Allen in the stands, and he's getting a rematch for the TNT title, which I think this will be his and Cody's like fourth or fifth match. Yeah. So I think this is maybe his second TNT title chance. I don't know. So Darby Allen's great. Cody's great. I don't want Darby Allen to go to full gear. And wrestle for the TNT Championship and lose, but also don't right. really want Darby Allen to carry the championship. I don't no. know. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, can you really see Darby Allen walking around with that bright red belt? Sure. I don't know. I just don't. I don't think it looks entirely. Maybe he'll good. paint half of it in this white face paint. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know. NWO it up a little bit. I don't know. I mean, maybe Cody and Darby have a long history. The homecoming show that we watched in Jacksonville, we were there live. Um, I know this may seem like 60 or 70 live events for you ago, but it was like two ago for me. Right. And, uh, it was a very, very good match. I think that one ended in a time limit draw. I'm not mistaken, but, uh, I don't know. It's it just, I don't, I, I'm tired of rematches, I guess. I, I feel like there's enough people on the roster. They don't have to do a rematch for a pay-per-view, especially with no real recent buildup. But I mean, it'll be a good match, so I can't complain too much. And speaking of good matches, this was a really good match. It was incredible. The last two minutes of it was some of the best wrestling storytelling I've ever seen. It was fantastic. You would not think, honestly, me me personally, I would not think that Cody versus Orange Cassidy would be my favorite match of this night. But it was by far my favorite match of the night. Like, not even close. Loved it. Not only that, Orange Cassidy made Cody look big. I mean, Cody's like, what, 6'1", 2", 30? Yeah, I mean, he's, on that. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a big dude, but compared to the likes of Brody Lee, Lance Archer, the people he's generally facing, but he's only six he one. comes off well, kind of small, but next to Orange Cassidy, he seemed like a monster, and he kind yeah. of played the role. I mean, I know we kind of have the joke here that Cody's a heel, and he had that big promo about being a babyface last week, but he played the heel during this match because, I mean, Orange Cassidy's not going to. 
I mean, he didn't do like any low blows or anything like that, but he definitely berated Orange Cassidy. He got angry. Uh, he did a few illegal tactics, but he, he, he played it off pretty well. Uh, and man, Orange Cassidy, he's just getting better and better. He really is. Right. He's, he's gotten really good, I feel like now, at starting the match at Orange Cassidy levels and then ramping up, which I feel like is the way he needs to play it. He's starting out the match with his regular like low kicks as he used to. He's kind of got his hands in his pocket. He's not really caring. Uh, Cody was building up on Twitter that Orange Cassidy has never done a collar and elbow tie-up in AEW, and this will be the first time that he does it. Well, Orange Cassidy does, and guess what? Orange Cassidy actually wins the collar and elbow tie-up. Does that make sense? No. But did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. Yes. It was It was great to see. Uh, he, he finally does his thing where he does the low kick, goes for the super kick. He then hits some suicide dives. Uh, John Silver comes out at one point trying to attack Cassidy with a TNT belt, uh, but he fails. And then he tra- – no, I'm sorry. He was trying to attack Cody with the belt. Orange Cassidy takes the belt from John Silver. He kind of looks at it like he's about to hit Cody with it, but he hands it back to Arn Anderson, playing the baby face that he is. And I'll just tell you, if Cody had that belt, Orange Cassidy would have been laid out. That's very likely. For sure. Orange Cassidy rolls Cody in the ring because he wants a fair fight. He hits like all of his signature moves. But uh, every time he does, Cody comes back with something more impactful. He drags Cassidy to the corner, slams his knee into the ring post. He's got him in the half crab. I thought for sure because he's working with his knee over this entire match. This is going to be it. But no, Cassidy got out of it. Uh, Cody hit a reverse superplex from the top rope. Cassidy still kicks at it too. Orange Cassidy hits him with a diving DDT from the middle rope and then a Michinoko driver for two counts. I mean, just insane. Orange Cassidy then hit Cody with another Tornado DB- DDT, followed by, I think he calls it the beach break. And Cody again kicked out at two. The announcer, Justin Roberts, informs us we have less than a minute remaining. Orange Cassidy tries to roll up Cody the way he generally wins. The ref counts to two. The bell rings and time has expired. This was a masterful way to handle like this time management of this match was so perfect the fact they pulled this off live crazy not only that orange cassidy was 100 less than a second away from winning the title and he'll always have that to go on and cody still retains but orange cassidy had this match an extra second and he had it fantastic booking in my opinion loved this match loved everything about it time management wise just a, a excellence of execution it really was just very good Kyle, did you get to yeah. watch this match at all? I did not, unfortunately. Well, you need to go back and watch it because it is really yeah, good. You missed out. I was, uh, I was wrapped up with five hours of WWE television this week. Well, nobody asked you to do that. You don't have to watch that. You know what? <laughs> just, 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 just offload all that WWE programming to our luchador friend that just joined us. Um, <laughs> and you just watch AEW and enjoy yourself. You know? Okay, that sounds good. I did watch the. Uh, I did get to catch like the Jericho uh, MJF promos, and um, there was something else I caught on the show. But uh, but yeah, I'll go back and watch that because it sounded it sounds great for sure. It's it's really really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I feel like there was a segment after that. Am I, there was a segment after that. I feel like I'm missing it here on my notes. Maybe it was going back to Moxley and Archer fighting again. They did that a, a few times throughout the show, but uh, <clears throat> after that. 
we had Hikaru Shida versus Big Swole for the AEW Women's Champion. I don't, I don't know if That's I made exactly what it was, by the way. I got it right here. Yeah. And then you have Matt Hardy. The Matt yeah, Hardy, the Matt Hardy segment. Yeah. That was it. Let's That's talk it. about that for a minute because sure. I have some thoughts about it, and I'm sure you do as well. Okay. Uh, Matt Hardy is ringside with his entire family, and he's being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and he announces that he has been 100% cleared to wrestle. He's excited to come back to AEW to get back in the ring. And as he's being interviewed, somebody pops up on the screen. Who might that be calling out Mr. Matt Hardy? And I say to myself, burning pictures of Matt. Yeah. He's burning pictures of the different versions of Matt Hardy. And I say to myself, God, I hope that's not Sammy Guevara. (laughs) Guess who it is? Sammy Guevara. Samuel Guevara. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy apparently will be continuing the feud. Um, against God's better judgment, uh, because it just doesn't appear to be in his uh, his best wishes that this feud continue. But they keep pushing their luck. I don't know. I love Sammy Guevara. I love Matt Hardy, and they've had some good matches. And I know that Matt Hardy wants to put over Sammy Guevara because he sees something in him. And their last match obviously didn't go the way they planned it. Man, I don't think they need to wrestle each other again. I really don't. I, I'm I'm figuring they're probably building up to full gear. I hope not because I'm planning on being at full gear and I don't want it to ruin another show. <laughs> I, I mean, already has a death wish. I hate man. And the fact that Rebby was there and is allowing this to continue. I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you guys feel like about, about this feud continuing? Or I'm, surprised, uh, I'm surprised Sammy didn't have a hole burned through him by Rebby staring him down. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, man. There's like only, I feel like there's only one way they could really do this that would be smart, and that would be a compound match if they did something on the Hardy compound. Yeah. And Sammy has to go over. He has to. 100%. He has to go over, and I think it would be better if it was some sort of pre-taped thing. Maybe maybe in this pre-taped thing, they feign Matt Hardy getting injured. That triggers the different versions, like I thought was going to happen last time, but turns out he actually hit his head on concrete. Uh, maybe something like that would work out really well. I don't know. I don't want to see these guys in another no DQ match. As much as I'm sure the match would have been great if it would have went to plan, it just it's not in the cards. Not uh, not something I think should happen. Are you are you in agreement? Well, kind of. I mean, we've seen this match before, and we don't necessarily need to see it again, but. These guys have worked their butts off to build up a feud, and it ended with a match that they probably apparently had gigantic plans for when you look at the two spots that we were able to see. I think we saw the beginning and the ending of that match. And we saw all the stuff they had set up. Right. I mean, I believe that they had a bunch of stuff planned, and unfortunately Matt got hurt, um, and they couldn't finish it. If it were me and I was one of those guys, I would want to finish it out. So I don't have a problem with them going, you know what? Let's go back and have a blow-off match. So it's fine, but I do want this one to be the last one. I don't want it to go on any longer. I love Matt Hardy. I love Sammy Guevara, but I want them to move into new things. Yeah, I also agree. Have you noticed that Matt Hardy no longer has the red in his hair? Yeah. I don't know if that is meaningful in any way. But well, he said that he's going to be, you know, normal Matthew Hardy and he's not broken anymore, so we'll see how that, how long that lasts, or if it's a thing. I think he'll probably return to Broken Matt when crowds are one hundred percent back. I think that's probably a good idea, personally. Yeah, 
because uh, it could get a bit worn thin and it's not really an empty arena gimmick. Right. But uh, anyways, let's move on to the women's championship match, which was Hikaru Shida versus Big Swole. And I'll be honest, I had some pretty high expectations out of this match. Swole's been doing a lot better lately. Hikaru Shida is obviously Hikaru Shida. But it really just did not click for me, and it didn't seem like it clicked for them either. Which is a shame, because I feel like I say that a lot about women's matches in AEW. But I really feel like, as far as talented wrestlers, they've only got like two or three. I mean, you got Britt Baker, who's really more of a character than a wrestler. You've got Big Swole, who's really more of a character than a wrestler. I mean, you've got Abaddon, who's really more of a character than a wrestler at all. I mean, who do they have? Chris Statlander's injured. She just made her way back to BTE, thankfully, but she's a long way from wrestling again. You have uh, Penelope Ford, who's pretty decent, but still fairly new. And then you've got Hikaru Shida, who's fantastic. Nyla Rose, who's put on some great matches, gotten better lately, but, I mean, she can't face Shida again. But you got Swole versus Hikaru Shida here. Supposedly a face-versus-face match, I would suppose. Um, I don't know. The whole match just seemed off to me how did it how did it come off live to you i mean it was fine um there was that one big spot that swole botched where she tripped but she immediately saved it by doing a diamond cutter on the outside on the stage it it was fine i think the issue here was the same thing that we had last week after brody and cody is you can't follow orange Cassidy and cody rhodes can't do it it was too good and this is the second week in a row they put their women's match after their what is essentially their main event the best match of the card yeah maybe a better spot would be like the second match of the show yeah if it was if it was the opener the second match of the night i feel like we would have been like yeah this was a solid match we really enjoyed it but because of what it followed we're like eh. there was also a spot i don't know if you missed watching it live uh the ref counted a two count on swole and her shoulders were not even on the mat and Jim Roth oh, really? actually even pointed it out. He's like, her shoulders were not on the mat. Why did they count that? Yeah, I didn't even see it. I don't know. Uh, Sheeta managed to pull off the win after a running knee. They've just got they've got so much work to do with their women's division. They really do. I feel like you're probably giving this match a little bit more credit than it's worth. Uh, I feel like if this would have been a regular men's match, we would have been pretty heavily crapping on it. But we really don't expect that much from the women's division, and I'm kind of still disappointed. So. Yeah. I don't know. I really wanted to do something with it. Sheeta is so great, and it's a shame that for too long, her reign's probably going to come to an end, and it hasn't really amounted to very much. Right. Which is unfortunate. I'm sure she'll get it again at one point. Uh, I, I think maybe they're building to Britt Baker versus Sheeta at full gear. That would be the match I would go with. That's really the only two big names you have in your women's division, and I'd probably put it on Britt Baker. If nothing else, I mean, she does, yeah, she can put on some great matches, but Britt Baker can elevate the belt with just her segments and her promos. Speaking yeah. of promos, the one I was thinking that I went over was the Tony Schiavone Britt Baker promo. Did you get to watch that live? Was it on the screen? Yes, and it was the absolute best. Did you? Sk- I don't have it in my notes. Did you skip that? Uh, I definitely did. Yes, it was okay. earlier in the yeah, show. We absolutely have to talk it. about it. It was also not in my notes. However, second, prob- maybe best of the night. I don't know. MJF and Jericho is very good. But you have Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone at, I guess, a massage place, like a spa kind of ordeal. And you start out with Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone. They're laid out on massage tables. They've both got masks on. And 
Britt Baker has Rebel come in, and she's doing her rules of being a role model. I don't remember what the rule even was, but what I do remember is she looks over at Tony Schiavone, and she screams, Tony, are you naked? And Tony's like, well, I, I thought that's what I thought that's what we're supposed to do. What are we, what are we talking about? And she, she flips out. Her and Rebel just scream. It's hilarious. You then cut to them in like a foot massage chair or whatever. They're getting their feet done, pedicures, I guess. I don't know these words. And Tony Giovanni's sitting there in like a robe, and his legs are kind of crossed. And, and Britt Baker's like, just, just cover that up, Tony. Gross. Nobody wants to see that. Tony Schiavone, man. Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker, they work so well together. Tony looks like he's having the time of his life and the things he's willing to do for this company. I mean, he has no pride whatsoever. He's not afraid to put himself down to make the company seem great or even Britt Baker seem great. Because you then cut to Tony Schiavone on TNT television getting his chest waxed legitimately having his chest wax. Now, apparently this segment was a rib. He didn't yep. even know this segment was going to happen. Didn't know it was going to air. It was a rib and it turned out so well. They're like, you know, this is going, this is going to the show. It's, it's great to see them having fun. It's great to see Tony Schiavone enjoying himself. It's great to see Britt Baker on my TV. I mean, who would have thought a year ago that we would have said one of our favorite segments of the anniversary show of Dynamite is Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone in a nail salon. Right. But it was. I mean, it's one of my favorite parts of the night. So good. Loved it. Fantastic. I mean, like I said, you need to put the uh, the, the belt on Britt. I think you probably need to have her win through some, some dirty means. Maybe yeah, have Rebel fun. interfere. Give it to Britt. Have her elevate the title a little bit with some really good segments. And not only that, I feel like she could bring out some charisma and some other women's wrestlers as well she can have some interesting feuds and then maybe give it back to Sheeta. uh that would also be fine have her take it back with a another blow-off match i'm fine with any of these outcomes but uh brit baker is great i think as soon as maybe they see that she's 100 percent back with her wrestling they will give it back to her i think she's got another squash match coming up next week i say squash match it says she's in action so. right who knows, she may be facing Abaddon and lose. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's where they're building to. And I am all for it. Then we have the World Championship match. John Moxley versus Lance Archer. No DQ. Lance Archer comes out. His music hits. He's got new music now, which everybody apparently hates. I don't know. I didn't feel like we heard enough of it to really have a good opinion. A lot of people were yeah, really, really in love with his old music. Which, I mean, it's just kind of generic metal music to me. Um, it had the countdown thing, which a lot of people like. But what I did think was really cool is he has like this glass door and he throws somebody through it to open up his entrance. He comes out with his spiked helmet. Really cool looking. I don't know. I mean, I think we should wait and see. He's been very adamant on Instagram. He's not going back to his old music. He's the one that requested they change it. So I feel like he wanted something new. And he got it, and we'll hear a little bit more about it. I mean, I feel like I probably care about interest music more than most people because I was the kid growing up that had a CD of wrestling interest music, and that's what I would listen to. So it's kind of important to me, which is why I hate Keith Lee's new interest so much. Yes, agreed. That's neither here nor there. So we'll, we'll see more about that. But guess what? John Moxley comes out and surprises Lance Archer 
instantaneously hits him with the paradigm shift for a two count. What a smart baby face. I mean, what a great way to come out yeah. against this monster. 100%. I mean, if you're going to face Lance Archer, guess what you're going to do? You're going to come out with your freaking finisher. You're going to try to end it right then because he doesn't want to wrestle Lance Archer. He's said that over and over again. He doesn't want this this night to happen, but he's got the belt. He's coming for him. Everybody dies. Uh, this match, so maybe you'll be a better gauge of this match than I was. By the time this match came on, it was entirely too late for me, and I was already starting to get too sleepy. But yes. I kind of felt like this match was a little slow. There wasn't a whole lot to it. I mean, you had table spots and chair spots, which are fine, but it wasn't anything exciting. So how do you feel about this match? I thought it was fine. Like, yeah. okay. That's kind of how it I feel about okay. it. The same, yeah. like, I don't know, man. I love Lance Archer. I love his character. He's had some really yeah. good matches, but his two big matches, his match with Cody and his match with Moxley, have just kind of been okay. And I don't know if it's the opponents, if it's the booking, the fact that he's losing and he's this big monster, but his two big moments have kind of just fallen flat for me. And it's really a shame because I really like him. So I don't know what they do with him next. Yeah. But uh, I think maybe Brian Cage versus Lance Archer. We'll see where that goes. I mean, he's got to win some point, right? I mean, he hasn't had like a really good win yet. I mean, you need to put Lance Archer over Jake Hager or something. Give him, give him a win over some, some, someone that people actually think is good. Right. Um, well, Jake Hager's about to have a fight in Bellator, so yeah, so I, he probably won't be in the ring for no, a yeah. little while. You're probably not going to put him over. Have him, have him, Lance, Lance Archer, come out there and just squash him. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine with me. Two minute squash. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we should say Moxley hit his finisher. He hit his finisher again. Still got a two count. Archer picks him up to hit the blackout. He goes for the cover. Moxley rolls him up for the roll-up win. I feel like we're okay with that here, though, right? Like, a roll-up win against a monster for a company that doesn't do it that often. Like, it's it's an okay way to end it. I would have preferred, since it was a no-DQ match, get some chair shots to the head, dude. I mean, he had the helmet. I mean, have him wear the helmet. Hit him up in the helmet. <laughs> I mean, you, I understand you can't do unchecked chair shots to the head anymore. But man, I miss them. They're not happening to me, so I don't care. Wow. <sighs> wow. It, it would be so good. But anyways, we got a roll-up win. It's okay. I feel like in a no-DQ match, they could have done more with it. But here we are. I've, maybe they're trying to protect Lance Archer a little bit. It really didn't for me. But I don't know. Lance Archer, after the match, comes in and, I don't know, he like kind of started to attack Moxley, right? And then Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Bros come out to help him. like Help, his, in air quotes. Yeah, help him. Like, they help him up, and Eddie Kingston's being great on the mic, as always. He picks him up. He congratulates him on the win. He tells him how much he looked up to him and goes on and on. And he he gives him a real good hug. He just he hugs him so tight that he quits breathing. Uh, yeah, he, he choked him out. He's... Apparently still a little bit salty about getting choked out a few weeks ago. Yeah, so I think we're building the Moxley versus Kingston for full gear. Possibly. Maybe that's a little too soon for a rematch. But hey, I love Kingston. I love Moxley. I liked their first match. Yeah. I think they're probably building to an I Quit match, which would be great. Maybe even a steel cage match. Moxley versus Kingston in a steel cage would be great. 
So we'll see. I thought overall this episode was honestly a little disappointing for what I was expecting. I didn't feel like the... I mean, you had two really good segments and then a bunch of matches, and some of the matches kind of fell flat. I don't know, maybe take out the Miro squash match and add another good segment, building up to the pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know. It the, the 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 feel with the show wasn't right for me personally. Okay. So I think overall, man, I love Orange Cassidy, loved Cody. Moxley and Lance Archer was just fine. FTR Best Friends was good. The rest of it was less than good. Other than the segments. The segments were great. Maybe a B-minus show for me. Yeah. Uh, B-minus. Yeah, probably a B-minus show. Uh, not quite what I was expecting for the anniversary show. Uh, they did announce that next week, the entire first round of the uh, tournament for the AEW World Championship spot at Full Gear is going to be happening so they're going to have four tournament matches, the Fatal 4-Way match, a Britt Baker squash match, and I think one more match. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I have no idea. I, I, I kind of fear for next week's episode. It's going to be a, a lot of wrestling. Will be a whole. I think that Jericho and MJF will take up a lot of time. That's and right. That will be and basically the, the sole big you know, non-wrestling segment. Yeah, I'm concerned. I feel like I feel like Joey Janela versus Kenny is going to be a squash match. I feel like yeah. it should be a squash match. So I, I mentioned before we can do our predictions if you like. Um, we can yeah, do let's a do separate it. episode if you like. However, you want to do that. No, um, let's do it. We can get we can do it in ten minutes. Let's let's pull up the. Uh, I got before it. We, before we do, go ahead and tell us what you thought about the show. What do you think the the rating should be? I think Orange Cassidy and Cody was one of the greatest matches I've seen on television. I feel like I say a say something about. I feel like I say that about an AEW show week on week, a match on every show. So um, I think I'm going to give it a B, though. I liked it better than you did. I think a lot of the segments really hit home for me. I enjoyed them. Um, I didn't really like Mox and Archer, which was disappointing because, I mean, that's a big main event, right? It's a world champion. You want it to be amazing, and I just thought it was just okay. Um, but uh, the rest of the show was pretty good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, and again... The Jericho MGF stuff was great. The Britt Baker stuff was great. Uh, the Eddie Kingston stuff at the end was great. I don't know if it showed it on TV, but he was yelling at Mox afterwards, and he cut a promo on the fans talking about how much he loves wrestling. And uh, there's no way that was on TV because that was a very babyface promo. Yeah, it was not. And we were cheering him, and he's like, you can cheer me all you want, but you've never been there for me before, and you're not here for me now. And it was just, it was so good. I wish I would have recorded it so I could share it with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I think somebody did record it, possibly, and post it on the Squared Circle subreddit. I did okay. just remember, speaking of the Fatal 4-Way, I did miss that segment. Uh, they had all the tag teams in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Oh, they had right. a little lottery box, and they pulled out these balls, and four of the teams were drawn, and they get to have a Fatal 4-Way match next week on Dynamite for a chance to face FTR at full gear. Am I right? I think I'm right. And I believe it was John Sil Silver and Alex Reynolds. Yes. Uh, Private Party. Yes. Young Butcher Bucks. And the, Blade. and the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, one would think, you know, it's going to be Young Bucks, right? I don't know. Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match, that should be super hectic. Uh, I'm sure it'll be pretty crazy match. Like I said, the show's going to be really packed. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, uh I'll give my thoughts on the, the tournament matches. 
uh, individually, however you want to do that. Okay. Yeah, I will, um, how about I'll read them off. Okay. And Mike, if you want to type them in, and the three of us will predict uh, predict the tournament all the way through. All right. Uh, Kyle, you gonna you gonna join us in join in with us on this one? Okay, maybe not, but maybe our luchador friend yes. will. Sorry, I couldn't find my mouse cursor disappeared. <laughs> I had the same problem earlier. I had the same problem. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, round one. In match number one, we have Wardlow versus Jungle Boy. Man, like. They've really been building up Jungle Boy. He won a fatal four-way match on Dark, like, last week. It was week. great, too. Mm-hmm. And generally, when that happens, they go on to win their match, too. But Jungle Boy doesn't beat Wardlow, right? The baby-faced Jungle Boy does not beat Wardlow. I don't know. It's got to be Wardlow. I'm picking Wardlow. Uh, I think they're building up Jungle Boy. They've given him a lot uh, in their tag matches, even the ones they've lost. So uh, I'm going to go with Jungle Boy. I think they're going to give him a big win here. Okay. I am going to agree with Kyle. I'm going to take Jungle Boy. Um, I think Jungle Boy versus the next winner that I'm going to predict on this side of the bracket uh, is going to be absolutely incredible, and I think we're going to get it. Um, So to move on, Colt Cabana versus Hangman Page, and I'm going to pick Hangman because Hangman and Jungle Boy is going to be great. Um, Colt could win here, uh, but I don't don't think that he will. I think Hangman is going to take this one. Micah, what do you think? I am also going with Hangman. And the reason I also picked Jungle Boy, or uh, Wardlow, I'm sorry, I feel like it's going to be Wardlow and Hangman, to go ahead and spoil my next prediction, Wardlow and Hangman for the next round. Young Bucks are going to get involved, and Wardlow's going to win that match. Yeah. That's the way I feel like it's going to go. So I am choosing Hangman. Okay, Kyle? Yeah, I got Hangman, too. I don't think there's any way Colt beats him. Okay. Let's just go ahead and finish off the right side. So um, Kyle and I have Hangman and Jungle Boy. Micah has Hangman and Wardlow. And Micah, you think Wardlow's going to take that match? I think there's a good possibility that the Bucks are going to interfere and Wardlow's going to take that match. And they're going to put off Hangman and Kenny for quite a while. So Kenny has the belt, possibly. Kyle? Uh, I think Hangman goes all the way. Really? Yeah. I think Jungle Boy wins here. I agree with the Bucks screwing them over. Um, and they're going to screw them over at some point in this tournament, right. whether it's in the finals or not. Right. Um, but I think it might be here because I think Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega is a very good match that will tear the house down that you could put on pay-per-view. Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, is anybody picking Joey? Not a single person in the world picks Joey Janela. See. All right, you're I'm off the show. Back to Wrestle Life Underground. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Omega's winning. Yeah, uh, Penta versus Phoenix. <sighs> I am so so excited for this, and I get to be there live to watch it. Um, and I'm gonna—I'll pick first here. I think we're gonna get Phoenix going over. Um, these guys have wrestled before in many promotions, including Lucha Underground. Uh, but Pentagon and Kenny Omega wrestled at All In, so. That even though it wasn't an AEW show, it kind of was an AEW show, and we haven't had Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega yet, um, at least on American television. So I think we're going to have Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega. Kyle, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Phoenix is going to win this one, and him and Omega are going to have a great match. So um, yeah, I, th- I think he's definitely going to pick the win up here. Yeah, talking about how uh, they're going to fit all these matches in. 
I think Kenny's going to squash Joey. I feel like this is going to be the match that actually lasts 20 minutes. The match I hope that so. takes up a lot of the, 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 this should, honestly, this should be the main event. I don't know what else they got going on. Probably maybe the fatal four-way tag team match. I don't know. This should be the main event because yeah. this is going to be a fantastic match. Pitting brothers against each other. I agree. I think Phoenix is going to come up with the win. And uh, I don't know, maybe that'll breed some animosity between Penta and Phoenix. Maybe they'll have a good sporting match. I don't know. But man, I'm really looking forward to Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix or Kenny Omega versus Penta. Either way, great yes. matches. All right, West Side. So I'm taking Kenny Omega to defeat Ray Phoenix. I think Kenny's going to make it to the finals. Kyle? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the finals going to be Omega and uh, Adam Page. Yeah, Micah? I am taking Kenny as well. And Kenny is going to win, and then Kenny's going to get the belt. Yeah. So. I, I This is what I've been booking for months, Kenny winning and taking the title from Mox. Um, yeah, Kenny's going to beat Jungle Boy in the finals, 100%. Um, Kenny Omega is going to be your next AEW champion, and I'm actually really, really excited for it. Yeah, so. yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Kenny Omega is going to go over Hangman in the final, getting screwed over by the Young Bucks. I think we're all kind of in agreement that Young Bucks are going to screw over Hangman. Right. I think it's going to matter most if he does it to uh, while he's going up against Omega. Yeah, it'll be a good way that to end the show. True. Yeah, makes sense. Um, real quick before we move on to WWE, uh, Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, Young Bucks, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. Who are you guys taking? Mikey, you can start. And this is for Magic's full gear, if I remember right. Yes. Man. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. Are they going to do FTR versus the Young Bucks in front of 700 people? Maybe. I mean, they got to do it at some point, right? They've got to do it at some point, but is it yet? I don't know. But otherwise, like, so I feel like the Young Bucks need to get their revenge on Private Party. They did super kick them this last week. But they need to get their revenge on Private Party for eliminating them in the first round of the first tag team tournament. So maybe they get a pin on on private party. I don't think the butcher, butcher and the blade are currently pay per view material versus FTR. I don't think that'll be a great match. Honestly, if I were to book this match, I'd put it on the Dark Order. I really yeah. would. John Silver and Alex Reynolds are super over. I know it's BTE, but man, even recently John Silver's been super over on on Dynamite. He's been Brody Lee's second. He's been slipping in Uno's place. They're very talented. I feel like the Dark Order needs something to do. So the Dark Order versus FTR could be something for them to do currently. I don't know. I think I'd probably put it on the Dark Order. But COVID aside, I feel like Young Bucks would get it for sure here. I don't know. I'm going to go for a surprise and I'm going to go with the Dark Order. Okay, that's a cool prediction. Dark Order Kyle. Jr., I should say. Yeah. Mike, are you saying there's an issue with having the Young Bucks versus FTR in front of these losers at Daly's place? Whoa, whoa, hey. Uh, what, what, what you got to say? Hey, hey, Mike is the one that brought it up. I will say <laughs> that I was there the last time, and the crowd was not very great. <laughs> it was 95 degrees outside. <laughs> With 80% hey, humidity, I would wear a mask for four hours. I have asthma, and I was wearing a mask, and I was cheering. I don't want to hear your crap excuses. 
I've turned them against each other. <laughs> it's all it's all coming to coming to fruition. All part of my plan. Uh yeah, I'm I don't know, like Micah makes a good point, but uh I don't know. I I just have a hard time seeing young bucks lose this, especially with their uh most recent gimmick change. So yeah. I'm kind of going with Young Bucks too. Okay. I this is actually pretty cool because we're all picking different teams. Um, I think the the team that's going to get pinned here is Butcher's Blade. Um, I think that your winners here are Private Party. Ugh. And the reason that I think that is because I think that we need a babyface team to go against FTR, and I don't think it's time for the Young Bucks versus FTR next. They've teased it pretty good, but this is something that they could drag out a long time. People would still eat it up. So I think it, whatever the next pay-per-view is, will probably be Young Bucks versus FTR, hoping that there's, you know, at least 50% capacity for that, because it probably won't be until, like, March. Yeah. Um, I think Private Party's taking the win here. So the only reason I'd say Young Bucks, I, I've said that I don't like, I don't want to see Young Bucks and FTR in a heel versus heel match. Right. me. Um, I've kind of been puzzled at why they're in this position, but... And, and this is also very WWE to do. And I like, I guess I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my first idea, but seeing how things are, I could easily see the Young Bucks screwing over Hangman and Hangman paying them back and screwing them over against FTR. I, like I said, I wouldn't originally plan it that way, but I think the money match for the Young Bucks to win the titles are going to be whenever they turn babyface later on down the road when they're in front of a lot of people and they have the big blow off match. But that, that's just me. That's kind of, I guess how I want to see it happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely, I can definitely agree with you there. I feel like before this is over with young bucks are going to be faces when they face FTR, whenever that may be. Uh, I feel like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're going to explain it as the way they've been acting. It's not them being bad people. I mean, yes, they're they're having very bad actions, but I feel like they're just they're not handling their emotions very well. I mean, this may seem very like like therapist or whatever psychologist, but I feel like it's going to be the Young Bucks and Hangman. Either they're going to mend their relationship, they're going to come to terms with their relationship somehow, and it's going to make the Young Bucks realize. I mean, even on BTE this week, they're 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 lashing out at Brandon Cutler, one of their best friends. Thing is going to come down to they're not going to have anybody there left on their side. They're going to be like, hey, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we need to apologize. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not leading to that. But I feel like they're going to come to a realization. And I think we will get face Young Bucks versus heel FTR before it's over with. I mean, to me, it make that makes the most sense. So we shall see. I suppose. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, ladies and germs, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back with our SmackDown and Raw reviews. Wow, that took an hour. We talked about a lot of stuff. We sure did. All right, be right back. This is Aiden Knight, and you are listening to Wrestle Life Radio. And we are back. Is our is Kyle, Lucha, is Luchasaurus uh, friend still with us? Luchasaurus? I'm about to say, Kyle, I don't, I don't know your Lucha name. So if you want to go over SmackDown... I don't know how to introduce you. 
I'm the skinny boy is my whatever that I, yeah, I already forgot work. what it was. Yeah, there you go. So long term uh, booking here. Yeah. <laughs> I got uh, Vince Command level memory. Uh, yeah, so WWE this week, SmackDown, not so bad. Raw, very bad, in my opinion. We'll get into it. Um, these were both the season premieres of SmackDown and Raw. If you can this is only it. the second year they've done season premieres, right? I don't remember that used to being a thing. No, it wasn't. It's, it's just dumb. It's yeah. They don't take breaks. They don't take a hiatus. But they they have season premieres. So whatever. Uh, fun fact though, <laughs> both shows saw a dip in ratings for the season premiere. That's so, pretty bad. Uh, That's not surprising. I mean, it does. It's no different. There's no difference. It's, oh, here's a new theme song. And the drafts also didn't cause a bump in ratings like they thought it was going to. So, yeah. Yeah. So nobody cared about the draft because it doesn't matter. And nobody cares about the season premieres because they don't matter either. So, uh, yeah. They actually did have a 30 minute pre show before the SmackDown season premiere, um, which is kind of a cool idea. I don't, I don't know if they're going to keep doing that or what it is, but. This week, it was hosted by Michael Cole. Renee Young was on there, uh, but she was under her real name. She wasn't under Renee Young. Interesting. Um, so I guess Fox just brought her on. Uh, Booker T was there. They had special guests like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, George Kittle made appearances. He tied in for the San Francisco 49ers. David Ortiz, the Boston Red Sox great. Uh, they were on there. They also had a Paul Hamden interview hyping up uh, Reigns and Strowman as the main event of the show. Street Profits were there. Seth Rollins made an appearance. Kayla interviewed Strowman. Triple H and Stephanie were on there. So they did a pretty good job with this little like 30-minute 30, 30 window. And they did a good job hyping up the main event of the show, which was Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. So um, that was at least good. Uh, and then the show opened. So they got a new intro, new video intro featuring the new superstars like Seth Rollins. He was like the first one that was on there. So showcase everybody. And then we had to kick off the show, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H in the middle of the ring with all the superstars standing up at the top of the ramp, like a bunch of children who have to listen to their parents talk. Uh, but Triple H and Stephanie basically welcomed all the new superstars to SmackDown. Like uh, they, they kind of ran through introducing them, you know, one by one, like Kevin Owens, Aleister Black, who no, no longer has an eye patch, uh, Sami Zayn, Otis, the Street Profits, and uh, when the Street Profits came up, like Hunter gave them a big introduction. They kind of come out there. They get a "We Want the Smoke" chant piped in, and then they suddenly get jumped by Bobbert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. So they start fighting down the ramp. This causes everybody to say "Screw it!" They all start fighting. They all start running down the ramp, including the icy title belt, which just like slowly slid down the ramp, which is kind of funny. Uh, and they all start to fight in the ring when all of a sudden. Lars Sullivan's music hits, distracts everybody. He runs, out, he runs out, kills the Street Profits, kills Kalisto, kills Apollo Cruz, who's back to being a geek alongside his geek buddy, Shorty G, Shorty Geek, uh, before finally Jeff Hardy was able to send him to the outside, which sets up their match, uh, which starts, basically kicks off the show. Um, they're also selling Lars Sullivan as the freak. Uh, that's, his, that's his nickname. They're giving him. And I mean, they're like, as WWE normally does, just beating us over the head with this. He's the freak. And I mean, he's, I mean, he's big, but 
he's not like a, he's just a bald dude. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that they said it like a thousand times over. Yes, I mean he's the freak. It's it's like the fiend. It's like the demon, the demon king, whatever they used to call uh, Finn Balor. Like whenever they get a nickname for you that they want to be your new name, they just drive it in your head. So that's what they did here this whole match. Lars Sullivan's only 6'3", by the way. They're making it out like he's this big monster guy. He's yeah. not. He's about Cody Rhodes' size. Yeah. Well, he's in much worse shape than Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I'm also... So, supposedly, the big feud is going to be Lars Sullivan versus Brock Lesnar at some point, which, God, I hope doesn't happen, but... <clears throat> no. That's is the, it just yeah. me, or does, does Lars Sullivan give off real Festus vibes? <laughs> Absolutely, he does! Oh, my gosh! Okay. Except yeah. Luke Gallows is actually talented. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so I can just see now that they're gonna Vince McMahon just I can see it now. The freak versus the beast, WrestleMania because he loves the he loves the marquee like visualizing what it's gonna look like on the marquee. So yeah. Anyway, we have a match here with Jeff Hardy and the Freak. Uh, it was fine. It was just basically to get Lars over. Um, Hardy was in control basically until he hurt his knee. Uh, he tried to make a comeback, but he just couldn't take Lars off his feet. They fought to the outside. Lars slammed him on the apron. Uh, Hardy hit the twist of fate at one point. Went up for the swanton, but Lars like got up to his feet real quick. Hardy didn't know what to think of this, but uh, Lars went and grabbed him, hit him with a freak accident, and picked up the win. Um, like I said, they just basically just beat us over the head with a freak the entire match. So that was kind of annoying. But as far as the match went, it was fine. Uh, then we got a very awesome... Bianca Belair video package. Um, she's had some good segments uh, on Raw of the last couple weeks with the whole EST segments. The last one they did wasn't that great with the whole, you know, the smartest. And then they did like a trivia thing, which was kind of lame. But this video package, man, it, it'll get you hyped for Bianca Belair's debut. So uh, I would recommend going and watching it because it's actually really good. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Yeah, and so she is so good. Yeah, I can't. I really can't wait to see how they're going to involve her in the SmackDown Women's Division. Obviously, it's all Bailey and Sasha right now, but I think she's going to be awesome. So I'm excited for her. So uh, then we had the New Day's farewell. Uh, very emotional segment. It was fantastic. It was basically just Kofi Xavier and Biggie sharing their memories, talking about the formation of the group. Um, Kofi even talked about how in 2012, he was in a spot where he was even looking to quit wrestling. He's, he was just talking about how down the dumps he was probably how poorly he was being booked by the stupid company. When along came Biggie and Xavier Woods who approached him about joining this group. And I mean, they were Xavier and Kofi like teared up multiple times, like literally choked up. And, um, I mean, just very emotional segment, very, very genuine. You could tell. And, uh, just, great a segment so xavier at the very end says all right let's enough of this you know mushy stuff let's lighten up the move they start a new day rocks chant um i wish this had been done in front of the crowd because uh it was just so great but right uh yeah just fantastic and obviously they're splitting them up for some stupid reason but they're doing it um but before we did that we had seamus cesaro and nakamura who were in the back talking about how they're gonna basically ruin New Day's last match together. So this sets up New Day versus Sheamus, Cesaro, and Nakamura. A very good, very fast-paced match. Um, Babyface is controlled early, um, and then the heels isolated Xavier Woods. Uh, they were able to fight back with some double-team moves. 
but Kofi got the tag in and then the heels were able to isolate him as well. He was able to fight back against Sheamus, hit the SOS. Uh, he got the hot tag of Big E. Big E got in, ran wild, hit a big splash on Cesaro, went for the big ending, but Cesaro countered. Things kind of broke down and everybody started attacking each other. Uh, Kofi made the tag eventually, but he got hit with a big swing uh, in the Kinshasa combo and then followed up by the white noise. So he thought this might could be the uh, the breakup of New Day, then going out on a loss. But no, it was a very close near fall. So uh, Sheamus got sent in the ring post. Kofi was able to make a comeback before New Day hit the midnight hour, and they picked up the win. Just a really fun match. Um, what you would expect from these these six guys. And uh, after the match, obviously New Day all hugged it out in the ring, stealing the best friends gimmick. But hey, if you're going to do it, do it at this point. They're all thanking each other. So yeah, great segment beforehand and a great match to kind of end their run, at least for now. Obviously, nothing's forever, so did, I'm sure they'll did, be back at some point. Did you notice on... Uh... I think it was SmackDown that Big E was in the audience on the uh, screens. On it SmackDown was on Raw, or Raw? Raw, 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 I'm sorry. It was on yes, Raw. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know. He the shows there. don't matter. They're all mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. Because, <laughs> yeah, as we'll see on Raw, it doesn't doesn't really matter. So, But, uh, yeah, it's a great segment and a great match. Um, speaking of great segments, uh, well, a guy who's known for great segments, Daniel Bryan comes out making his Thunderdome debut. Uh, he comes out, talks about how it's his first time in the Thunderdome, talks about watching it on TV with Bree and his daughter. I think they were on the screens as well during uh, this promo. And uh, he basically put over the new roster members. When all of a sudden he's interrupted by the new, uh, uh, what's his new name? This what, SmackDown Savior or something like that. Yeah. Seth I'm Rollins comes out. Stupid like Boring. Yeah. Boring. So... Yep. Seth Rollins yep. comes out. He's upset yep. that uh, Daniel Bryan didn't mention him when he's talking about all the, the new people on the roster. And uh, he asked Bryan if Bryan was with him or against him. So Bryan proceeds to make fun of him about his terrible, uh, his choice of clothes. Said, uh, like, basically makes fun of him wearing a sport coat without a shirt on underneath it. So Rollins gets angry. He uh, goes, he hits Daniel Bryan with the, the microphone, but Daniel Bryan fights back. Hit some yes kicks that send Rollins packing. When all of a sudden Ray and Dominic come out, they cut him off, force him back to the ring. Daniel Bryan just left for some reason. Uh, so Ray and Dominic corner Seth when all of a sudden Murphy's music hits. He runs down, he slides in the ring and stands beside Seth. And I guess <laughs> Seth Rollins totally forgot about Murphy's stance the last time they were on television together. Because he's just like, okay, you're beside me now. And then all of a sudden Murphy said, psych. And attacked him anyway. Uh, Rollins ran off. And uh, uh, Ray, Dominic, and Murphy were all in the ring together. Murphy tried to extend his hand and uh, shake Ray and Dominic's hand. You know, make peace with them. But they're still not trusting him and they walk off. So the story continues with these people. But I don't believe the uh, the rest of the Mysterio family made a appearance on this show. So I guess we'll have to wait till next week to see. Maybe Ray is smart and leaves his family at the house. <laughs> he hasn't done it at this point, so I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, they were they were not on the show. But um, we'll see. That. I th- I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be on next week, and they're going to continue the whole Murphy, Alea story, love interest thing. But we'll see. But I, hey, if I get a Seth Rollins-Daniel Bryan match out of this in the future, I'm not going to complain. 
Yeah. So then we had Street Profits versus uh, Ziggler and Rude in a SmackDown tag title match. And I say that because this wasn't much of a match and ended with a stupid DQ. Of course it did. Because you can't have... Say it ain't like, so, just, Kyle. Say it ain't so. Yeah. You can't have... I mean, you can't have title matches on TV that are actually mean something. Just like when Bailey and Sasha had a women's title match last week on the draft show, and I was like, it's going to end in a DQ. And what happened? Ended in a DQ. Yep. So uh, this one was pretty much the same. Um, Rude and Ziggler worked over Dawkins early, knocking Ford off the apron. When Ford got mad, he runs back in, starts fighting Ziggler and Rude. The referee, I mean, hey, at least they adhered to some rules and didn't just like, you know, ring the bell for no reason. She actually counted to five, which is like, you know, you can't be in the ring if you're not the legal person for more than five seconds. So she at least counted to five and then threw the match out, but it was still stupid. Uh, Yeah, so the heels basically teamed up on Dawkins until Ford uh, was able to hit a diving cross body on both of them to send them packing. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a rematch at Hell in Cell. Or, you know, somewhere. Who did um, the Street Profits even beat to get the titles? It's been so long now, I don't even remember. Well, to get the uh, SmackDown tag titles, they traded <laughs> them to New Day, or traded with New Day on Raw. Um, I think they beat the Viking Raiders. Was that who they beat originally? Was it the Viking I Raiders? Have, no, I don't think so. Long ago. I can't like remember. The beginning of COVID when they won them. Yeah. Maybe it might have been Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. <laughs> It might have been. I don't know. It's been a while. But, um, yeah, I'm not the biggest Street Profits fan, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. And, and obviously the SmackDown uh, tag division is not, you know, setting the world on fire either. So I don't know what they're going to do with them. Rude and Ziggler, I guess, is their, you know, immediate future. But Okay. So, that took way too long for me to look it up, but it was Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins. Really? Yep. I don't I even remember how that happened. Uh, Murphy and Rollins had it for about five weeks. Huh. Yep. All right. Well, I hey, they, maybe they could reform and – no, that's not going to happen. Who's kidding? So speaking of not reforming, we had the Sasha and Bailey contract signing after this um, tag title match. This is actually not that bad. Um, Adam Pierce presided over the signing. Uh, it was a pretty typical – contract signing segment, I guess nothing crazy happened, but Sasha and Bailey were just good in their roles. I guess Um, Pierce kind of went over their bitter feud and brought both of them out. He gave Sasha the contract first, which obviously she immediately signed because she's the baby face, I guess. Uh, She's, she said she'd been waiting a long time for this. And I'm I'm like, so uh, a couple weeks, I mean, they've had a feud going on for like years at this point, but yeah, they've been like frenemies for a long time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they've been on and off with this feud for like ever. And then they finally were friends and became a good thing. And now they're breaking them up. But I mean, a couple weeks ago, they were not, uh, you know, in any bad, you know, graces or anything with each other. So, yeah. So I guess Sasha's been waiting. This has kind of been in the back of her mind. But, and I, I guess Bailey thinks so as well, because basically Bailey takes over the contract in the signing. She said that she had been champion for over a year and, she just knew that Sasha was eventually going to turn on her, so she did it first, which is honestly a fair point because Sasha was also a horrible person. So maybe she's right. Uh, but Sasha said she wouldn't she wouldn't have done that to her friend. 
said that she helped Bailey hold the title for a year, but Bailey then tried to end her career in turn. So Sasha said that uh, she would get her revenge at Hell in the Cell and she would leave with the belt. So she got in Bailey's face. Bailey picked up a chair and kind of threatened to, you know, use it on Sasha. But Bailey tucked tail and she she backed out, left the ring, and she did not sign the contract. So Sasha calls her a coward for walking off. Um, like I said, they nothing special with the segment. I guess we're gonna have a follow up with Bailey. You know, I mean, we're you know these are the go home shows I believe this week, so probably need to do something. I believe it's this week anyway. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think Hell in a Cell is next week. So I'm assuming right. Bailey needs to sign this contract for, uh, but hey, hey I guess he'll sign it walking into the ring. <laughs> Roman Reigns did it to win the title. He, he literally didn't show up until the very end of the match when he won his title. So maybe I would, I would not be surprised, honestly. But speaking of which, we get the main event of the night Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Obviously, Roman Reigns is Paul Heyman at his side. This is a universal title match. And they make a point to say, hey, if Strowman wins this, he could take the title to Raw, which is most definitely a spoiler because everybody knows Strowman is not going to actually win this title. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it was actually a decent match, though. I mean, both dudes worked pretty hard. Um, obviously, the most notable thing was the post-match angle. Uh, but like I said, we all knew Strowman wasn't going to win this. But Jay is actually watching in the back from a monitor in Gorilla, I guess. And uh, they had like a good presentation of like, you know, got, they got the special introductions and everything. And like I said, it's a pretty decent match. So Reigns hits the Superman punch like right out the gate. Both guys go to the floor. Strowman tries to fight back, but Reigns hits a big boot, gets a near fall. Reigns and sends Strowman back outside, slams him into the announce table. Roman goes around the ring, hits a running shoulder tackle on uh, Strowman, hits it on Reigns, sends him over the barricade. Uh, Strowman hits a cl- uh, choke slam for a near fall in the ring. But when Reigns kicked out, very similar to how he did to Jay Uso at Clash of Champions. He kicks out and hits a low blow. So uh, it's obviously becoming a thing. And uh, yeah, so looks like it's going to be a way that like Reigns wins matches or something. See, I don't like that. I liked it happening once because I'm like, okay, this is very original. I haven't seen this before. The WWE has a way of shoving things in your face and grinding them into the ground. It's like, oh, you really like this? <clears throat> well, in two weeks, you're going to hate it because we're going to run yeah. it around. Exactly. Well, and they kind of are already doing that because people are stealing the gimmick, but we'll get to that a little later. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but he, he uses it again, so obviously it's going to become a thing. I'm sure Jay's going to counter it at some point. Uh, but Reigns does it here. Uh, he gets up and hits a spear on Strowman, but Strowman manages to kick out. Reigns is actually in shock. So uh, he goes for another one, but gets picked up by Strowman for the power slam. But Reigns is able to counter that slip behind. Uh, he locks in a guillotine submission on Strowman. Strowman like throw, runs him in the corner, tries to fight out of it, but Reigns has a good grip on him. He eventually collapses, passes out. Uh, the referee checks on Strowman. He's, he's completely out, so he, he rings the bell. Cole incorrectly yells, Strowman tapped! <laughs> it's just like, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, he passed out. He did not tap, but uh, gives Roman the win here. So he wins the title back, obviously. And so uh, after the match, Jay walks out on the ramp. Uh, Reigns hits another spear on Strowman. Uh, Jay starts kind of walking down the ring. So um, Reigns grabs a chair, heads in the ring, starts beating Strowman with the chair, just like beating the snot out of him as Jay watches. 
Roman's like inviting him into the ring, telling him that he loves him. That's why he, he did what he did to him and that he's only trying to help him. So Reigns drops the chair at Jay's feet and turns his back. Jay picks up the chair and teases hitting Roman from behind, but he drops it. So Roman smiles. He goes to embrace Jay, but Jay snaps and he attacks Roman, hits him with a punch, super kicks him. Then he grabs a chair and shouts, oh, you love me? Well, I love you too, and starts beating him with a chair, just beating the crap out of Roman. The officials run in. They jump on uh, Jay. They grab the chair away from him. They're holding him back. This obviously allows Roman to recover. He gets up, hits a Superman punch on Jay, knocks him out. The uh, fake crowd boos him like crazy. Roman leaves the ring unhappy, and that ends the show. So that was SmackDown this week. I mean, nothing too crazy, but it wasn't a terrible show. Like It could have been a lot worse, uh, as we'll see <laughs> with Monday Night Raw, because... Yeah, they did a lot of stuff wrong on Monday, but all in all, SmackDown was not a horrible show. Yeah, um, it really didn't seem that bad. It seemed like it had some good yeah, spots. It sounds fine. Yeah, it, basically. So if I had to give it a grade, I'd probably give it like a C plus. Nothing like, I mean, I'd say almost a B minus, mainly because a New Day's segment in their match was really good. Um, and, and then the main event wasn't bad either. So uh, yeah, I'd probably give it a B minus. It wasn't a bad show at so, okay, that doesn't sound terrible. Yeah, but nothing really notable on it. So it wasn't like, you know, great. So it's it's the low B-minus range. Uh, cannot say the same for Raw. This show aggravated me to no end. I don't know if you guys watched the show at all. I think uh, Matt, you no, did. No, but I 100% checked it out, and we, yeah, we have things to say. Yeah, so the opening segment of the show was just like, I mean, say what you will about SmackDown, but their opening segment was like solid. It wasn't, it was kind of messy, but like not too bad. Uh, this opening on this show was just like all over the place. I didn't know what to think of it. Um, so we opened the show, Raw has a new theme song, and then Alexa's in the ring covered in the red lights. She says, He's here, let him in, to which brings out the fiend. So nothing too crazy at this point. I'm like, Okay, this is fine, what you would expect. Uh, the fiend and Alexa hold hands. When all of a sudden the lights come back on and this weird music plays and hey, it's retribution. So they've got music now. Okay, that makes sense to give them music that people are destroying your company. Uh-huh. Uh, they also drafted them and gave them contracts to pay them to do so. Right. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, they surround the Fiend and Alexa. So uh, this is the, obviously, Ali, Slapjack, Mace. Um, what's the other dude's name? And I don't even remember Mia Yim's name, but she's there too. T-Bar? T-Bar, that's it. And uh, Mia Yim's name is something dumb. Uh, Reckoning. Yes. So they're all surrounding Alexa and The Fiend. Um, then the lights go out and come back on. Alexa and The Fiend are gone. It's like, okay, fine. Then the Hurt Business comes out. Mia Yim just vanishes because she can't fight the men. So why is she even in this group? I mean, they already sent Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez back to NXT, so I don't know. But anyway, uh, the her business clears the ring. Cedric then dives on a retribution, and we just abruptly go to a break. We come back, and we're having an eight-man tag match between Hurt Business and Retribution already. So the two teams are uh, they're fighting each other. Um, they, they you know they have a face off on the outside when the Fiend appears on the big screen, and 
nobody seems to care. Uh, her, her business gets in control. Uh, it, it, at one point, apparently Cedric knocks out Slapjack, which is uh, Shane Thorne, gives him like a stiff elbow, like knocks the dude out legit. Like he's like not completely out, but he's basically out of it. He's, you know, knocks Loopy, like almost falls out of the ring. Yeah, I saw that. Referee doesn't care one bit. Mason T-Bar, Mason T-Bar, what am I doing to myself? Dio Madden and Dominic Dajakovic did a really good job at, you know, just kind of vamping and, like Dio Madden was slamming his hands on the still steps, trying to wake him up. Like they did a good job. If 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 there's any good that can be said about this, yeah. The referee, however, did not. Yeah, he didn't do anything. No. I mean, this is the same company that a few weeks ago they stopped the Mickey James match when she wasn't actually injured, and this referee is just like, "Hey, he got knocked out. Whatever. I'm not even going to exit the ring." You see, I'm Adam. What? What? Well, as we'll see later on in the show, apparently the the, the new gimmick in WWE is that the referees are completely incompetent. So this fits in with that uh, that narrative. Well, it's not uh, it's not too new of an idea, though. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, it was dumb, but whatever. He's he's okay from what we hear. I mean, and it wasn't like he slammed his head and possibly had a concussion. He just took a really strong shot to the jaw, and I think it just knocked him kind of silly for a little bit. So uh, from everything I've heard, he's okay. But um, basically, after this. Lashley comes in, spears T-Bar, puts him in the hurt lock, and T-Bar taps out. Yep. Retribution. Which one? Which in one the happened? first match. Which was T-Bar? Loses clean. Oh my god. What? Like they're they're already dead. They were they were not great before. And it's it's ridiculous too. So they have all these these uh, these dumb vignettes and all this crap that they do to build this team up. Have all these stupid things. The one thing that made it a little bit interesting and could have saved it was the addition of Ali. And when did that happen? What last week? So two weeks ago, I think they weren't even on the show last week. Yeah, because they weren't on the oh, show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So two weeks ago. So they got two weeks. They already lost. So. I mean, they had one thing finally going for them, and they're lost. So, like, they're they're dead, you know. If you ask me, and so not only do they lose here, uh, which is bad enough, they're basically the new like Ricochet and Apollo Cruz. Like, yeah. they're just geeks. So after the match, I mean, the Fiend. Like, I'm saying this doesn't make any sense because like the Fiend and Alexa were there, and then they like cornered them. And then they just disappeared. And then they just like kept coming back in this match. So after the match, the lights turn red again. The Fiend comes back and he's on the apron. He gets in the ring and kills each member of Retribution. Just destroys them. In, in, in case their careers weren't dead enough. What is the point of this? So he goes in there. He goes for the sister Abigail on Ali. T-Bar saves Ali. I guess the only one they're trying to protect is Ali here, but whatever. So T-Bar saves him. He gets hit with a Citric Abigail himself. Then Alexa appears on the big screen and says, let me in, but it's in Bray Wyatt's voice. It's weird. So we have three groups. We've got Retribution, Heels, trying to destroy the company. we got the Hurt Business, also Heels, who are bullies and um, were Heels in this match as well. And then we have The Fiend and Alexa, who I guess are Heels. We'll see, but like, 
I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, who? okay, there's three groups here feuding with each other. And I don't know who to cheer for. I don't know who to boo. This sucks. I know who to boo. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. So Retribution's dead. The Hurt Business, they're like killing everybody, but they're not baby faces. So what's the yeah. point? And The Fiend and Alexa, yeah. So Vincent Man is doing this big thing right now where to turn to into a babyface, all you have to do is attack a heel or be attacked by a heel. Um, so I think basically what they're doing is the Fiend and Alexa are now babyfaces because they attack Retribution. Um, you have the Hurt Business who are kind of your tweeners because they were a face here, but they were a heel later on in the show. They um, weren't a face here, though. They were right. well, they no, were, what they were saying. freaking heel in this match, too. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like it, none of it makes sense. It's like they took turns playing heel and babyface in this match. Right. It was Sasha, ridiculous. Sasha is now a babyface because she was attacked by Bailey. Lana is a babyface because she has been put through like five tables. But she's not because she got booed by the fake crowd. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> none of it makes sense. Uh, there's three hours of this crap every Monday. Anyway. Yes, I mean, it's made this whole opening segment, opening match, it made no sense. I don't know what to cheer for. I guess The Fiend and Alexa are the baby faces, but whatever. We'll see. So, um, even though they just attacked a baby face, Kevin Owens, I forgot about that. And they had a, I mean, a decent match last week, but whatever. I'm just going to, I could spend hours talking about how dumb this is. So, um, speaking of some other dumb stuff, uh, AJ Styles and Matt Riddle had a match. And actually, the match itself, not horrible. It was like the, the beginning and the end were complete BS, stupid. But the middle where they just wrestled each other, as you'd expect from Matt Riddle and AJ Styles, was really good. I do want to say, before you move on, that it sure is nice to have the draft so we can have fresh matches on Raw. <laughs> Are you being, you being sarcastic? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, well, it doesn't matter if he's on Raw or SmackDown. Matt Riddle's dead because AJ Styles comes out. He's got a new bodyguard. And no, it's not Joseph Parks. It's uh, Jordan. He's freaking huge, whoever he is. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to call him Jordan, Alph- Jordan Alphabet. He was the big ninja. And he was Jordan Alphabet. He was the like, ninja, and he was also the bouncer for Raw. Yeah, yeah. He was a Shane McMahon's bodyguard for Raw Underground. Like the freaking kingpin in the background, like the comic book kingpin where he takes up the whole the whole page. Yeah, and it, I mean, standing behind AJ the whole time, he is a giant, so he looks the part for sure. But my big problem with this is this is WWE's problem. They they always have to put on these marquee matches, but they don't have to. So they could build a Matt Riddle and AJ Styles feud if they want to. But AJ Styles and this debuting giant as his new bodyguard did not need to do this match against Matt Riddle because what happened was AJ cuts his promo with a giant standing behind him, which looks great. Uh, Then Matt Riddle comes out. They start to have the match. The referee like rings the bell and the giant's in the ring. He tells him, get out of the ring. The giant won't leave. So he says, all right, I'm warning you. I'll give you to the count of five, or I'm going to DQ AJ Styles. He's like, one, 
Two, the giant grabs his hand and says, stop counting. <laughs> this dumb referee <laughs> goes, please leave the ring. <laughs> just turns into a giant wimp. <laughs> just DQ the dude. Like, what? So the, the ref begs him. The giant finally leaves. So Matt Riddle sends AJ to the outside at the very beginning. He goes to go after him, but the giant steps in the way. And Matt Riddle, the undefeated UFC fighter, a legit fighter who could probably kill you if you wanted to, the babyface of this feud, should be a hero of this feud, gets scared of the big man stepping in front of him, and he scurries back into the ring, and we go to commercial break. I was so mad, especially as a Matt Riddle fan. Like, yeah. I mean, listen, Matt Riddle is very weird and not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. But, I mean, he's Matt Riddle, and he's a great worker. But just why could you not have a jobber like Shorty G or somebody taking the, take on this role who has no upside, who you're not going to do anything with anyway? Why have Matt Riddle, who I'm sure is going to feud with AJ now, or maybe he's not, I don't know, maybe he's going to be chasing the 24-7 title after this. I don't know, but he gets scared of this guy for no reason, just because he's big. But we go to a break, we come back, AJ Styles is in control, which is another thing I hate, but whatever. And like I said, they actually have a good match, because it means AJ and Riddle, they go back and forth through the whole thing, uh, they end up on the top rope until they get a fight on the top rope, Styles falls into the ring, and Riddle falls out. And this is when it goes to crap again. Matt Riddle runs into the giant on the outside and the giant clenches his fist. And boy, I saw this, I saw this and I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening with this? You would believe Matt Riddle had never been a fight in his life because this clenched fist just scared him. He didn't know what to think. So he gets, he scurries back into the ring, terrified of this big man. He runs right into an Enziguri, the Styles Clash, and AJ beats him. Like, I'm really what? glad that I don't like Matt Riddle. Or else Even if you don't like him, like, it's just dumb. Yeah, it's very poor booking. Just, yeah. Come on, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, so obviously they're just trying to get this giant man over, but like I said, put a jobber in there or somebody who can work who you don't care about. It's like... Uh, yeah, I don't get it at all. But I hated it. It, it was stupid. Uh, I, I hate that they took a great AJ Styles Matt Riddle match, and this is what it turned into. So I'm moving on. Then we had Drew McIntyre cutting a promo. He was in the back with Charlie. He uh, then asked her if he could talk to Randy Orton directly. So he took the mic from uh, Charlie. Cut a good promo here. Hyped up the match with Hell in the Cell, basically vowing to get revenge on the Legends. Even though they're totally fine now, because Flair was like on one of the screens on this show, yes, <laughs> and uh, he's like smiling and happy. He's not dead, uh, but hey, Drew's gonna get revenge. Even though the whole point of the the Clash of Champions match was to get revenge on all the legends or for all the legends. So whatever. I don't even know why these guys are fighting anymore. It's stupid, but it was a pretty good promo. So then. <laughs> Obviously, we had Lana last week winning this stupid battle royal that went on or whatever it was. So she gets a title match with Asuka. 
Uh, it goes like two minutes. Lana gets like a smidge of offense in before Oscar puts her in the Oscar lock and beats her. And then, of course, Nia's music hits. Her and Shanna come out. Three guesses what happened. Guys, you got any you got any guesses? Um, I'm I've got three guesses, and all three involve Lana going through a table. <laughs> they did not throw her into the arcade machine. They, for the fifth week in a row, put this woman to the announce table. I hope she gets injured. Not that I wish ill will on anybody. A non-life-threatening injury. And she just sues the company for putting her through a table for like six weeks in a row. I feel like they're yeah. just using this as an opportunity to see if Nia Jax is actually a safe worker. They're like, well, surely if she can put Lana through a table five weeks in a row and not injure her, she must be a safe worker, right? I mean, is that what's going through their heads? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's so stupid. Obviously, they're punishing Lana for something her husband has said when they released him. Uh, so stupid during a pandemic yes so uh and also oscar who's the baby face who i thought might try to help lana at least did not and uh also this is heel versus heel again so you're they're trying to get sympathy for the heel i, I don't know but then the heels actually go for oscar she's able to fight them off and she runs away so she can't take off the two heels by herself because for some reason they don't want their baby faces to be like conquering heroes they want them to just run from all their challenges so then Nia and Shayna cut a promo they talk about how how well they work together even though they hate each other Shayna then says they're the most dominant team on either brand and Nia, Nia issues a challenge to anyone on either roster who want to take them on so instead of one team coming out we basically have every team so Mandy and Dana come out who are obviously the challengers who've kind of been on a roll lately I can't wait for this because I know what's coming. Do you? <laughs> yes, I do. I know the last team. So, yeah, Mandy and Dana come out. Uh, we also have the Riot Squad with Liv and Ruby, who are now on SmackDown, who are on Raw again. Because they, I guess they, they said it could be either brand, so that gave them, even the Strowman came on Raw like a couple weeks ago, and Adam Pearce said, I can't make a sanctioned match with you because you're on the other brand, but whatever. Okay. So they're here. And then the final team that comes out is Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. What? I mean, why? Why would you break up the Iconics to give Peyton Royce a singles push if you're just going to put her in another? I mean, what in the world? It's so stupid. Why would they even? It's like Lacey was standing back there and she heard. She was like, it's like both of them were standing there and they just heard. We're the most dominant team. We'll take on anybody. And they looked at each other and said, hey, you want to be on a team? Let's walk out there. Like, what? Like, yeah, Billy's in catering. We can't. She can't be bothered to come, so. You know, like, well, it can't I be saw, a team anymore. They're forbidden. I saw the clip online of Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce, and I thought. I mean, their I'm gimmick really is they're a bad team. They're like, they, so they walk out there. They're all standing in front of each other's entrance and all this crap. And they were like getting in each other's way. So it was their whole gimmick. But it was still just dumb. Like, anyway, so uh, a lot happened in this match, but it wasn't great. I mean, they basically just did a bunch of dives and stuff. And then we go to commercial break. Uh, we come back and all the teams like trade moves. The Riot Squad actually nearly won this match. Um, I mean, they haven't done anything in the SAG division, but hey, they almost, almost got a win because they had Lacey Evans beat. They hit her with their finishing move. 
until Shayna got in the ring, broke it up. She choked out Ruby. Nia hit Lacey with a Samoan drop, and they picked up the win. So, in one match, Nia and Shayna cleaned out the entire women's tag team division. That's correct. What the was the point of this match? I have absolutely no idea. Like, they kind of started to build Mandy and Dana, who are also a team that's just thrown together. They're just two people who are on SmackDown who got traded at the same time. But they were at least trying, like putting them with Asuka, giving them a win, like uh, last week or whatever it was. Um, so they're at least trying to do something. But then they just come out here and lose. Now, you could make the argument, well, they didn't actually get pinned here. But this was a non-title match. Why could Mandy and Dana not pin Lacey Evans? Sure. Makes sense. If you're going to build them for the tag match or tag title match, get them a win. Oh, I mean, the, the heels are out here saying we're the best and most dominant team. Why not make them lose and prove them wrong because they're dumb heels? Like, they just challenge any other team. They put themselves in this match, and they end up losing it. That's like the best way to build this feud that you're going to have. But no, they just make Mandy and Dana losers. So like, how are they going to challenge for title now? There's literally no contenders who are on a winning streak in the tag team division. Lana and Natalie, Natalie, Natalia are dead. I, I, I'm baffled. Like what are, I have no idea what they're doing. To be honest, and I don't mean to be disrespectful or to women's wrestling. I think they got to get rid of these titles, right? I mean, they're worthless. Nothing's happened with them since they came on. Any modicum of tag teams that they have, they just break up. They broke up Mandy Rose. Well, it's the same with the men. They, they're like, I mean, they have New right. Day, but they broke them up. Otis right. and Tucker, they broke them up, even though they're on this show. Like, right. What is the point of all this? Like, why right. are they? I think they have about three actual teams in the women's tag team division, though. So get rid of those, merge the men's titles, and... Uh, then that you get rid of two sets of belts, make the Raw and SmackDown the same, and then get rid of the women's tag titles. And I, I think that would vastly improve the show because they're all. I mean, really, most titles in, in WWE are paperweights at this point, though. Yeah, but yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, I mean, they literally, I, I they literally cleaned out the division in one match because they they killed Lana, <laughs> so like. I don't know. So uh, maybe Alexa and Nikki will get together at some point. <laughs> it's the only other team that's on the roster. So yeah, who knows? But um, yeah. So anyway, after this, Elias, he comes out, has a concert. He's got a full band and he's plugging his new album. <laughs> uh, so he plays an entire song for the album called Amen. And honestly, I mean, this is definitely lip syncing, but it wasn't the worst song in the world. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst song in the world. It wasn't the worst song I've ever heard. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's fine. So after the song, uh, Elias makes sure to tell the fans, thank you, but he loves none of them. It's a great way to boost your record sales. Uh, they pipe in booze like crazy. So Elias is like chilling with his bandmates. He hears all the, all the booze and he says, he, I guess he takes it as a request for an encore. So he, he, he handed his guitar off to a guy after he got done the first time. So he says, all right, I guess these guys want an encore. So bring my guitar back. When all of a sudden this guy, the guy who picked up the guitar, he's wearing like a hoodie, starts jamming out a guitar solo on the guitar. 
Elias like looks at him. He's like, Hey man, this is not like your time to shine. It's not your showcase. What are you doing? And all of a sudden the guy turns around, takes off his mask. It's Jeff Hardy. So Jeff Hardy takes a swing with the guitar at Elias, knocks over the mic stand. Elias goes stumbling backwards. Jeff Hardy yells at him. I didn't hit you with that car, man. So I just trying to attack him now instead. Yeah. Uh, to prove to you that I didn't smash into you with the car, I'm going to attack him. He tried to decapitate him with the guitar first and then yell, <laughs> I didn't hit you with that car, man. <laughs> so, hey, whatever. Uh, it, it's equally stupid that Elias is actually blaming Jeff for being hit by the car, even though, I mean, it was pretty positively proving that Seamus did it and Elias is just an idiot. But they need a heal, I guess. So, uh, but what's notable is after all of this, uh, Charlie was able to catch up with Elias in the back after this when he finally challenged Hardy to a match at Hell in the Cell. So, actually, a match that's booked on the show other than the title matches. So, they actually, have a match now. So, that's going to happen. Okie dokie. Yay. Then we have Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus. Uh, the New Day came out. Um, well, Kofi and Xavier uh, for a promo, but they got interrupted by Sheamus. Uh, he called their heartfelt segment on SmackDown last Friday embarrassing. Kofi said, despite being on different brands, the New Day was not done, even though they cried about it with each other, you know, about being done on SmackDown. Uh, but Big or, uh, Kofi says that Big E would do his thing on SmackDown while they did theirs on Raw. So the group is not done, but they're just apart for now. So Sheamus told them to shut up and Woods invited them to the ring. Uh, so that set up a match between him and Kofi. Uh, two minutes into the match, they go to a break. So uh, they come back and Sheamus is in control. So I'm just going to pretend like this is where the match started. Uh, Biggie was shown on the big screen cheering for Kofi to get him fired up. Uh, Kofi then makes his comeback. And I uh, got a couple near falls on Sheamus. Sheamus uh, got him in the cloverleaf. Kofi managed to get out of it, he tried for Trouble in Paradise, but Sheamus caught him and hit him with an Alabama slam for a near fall. Samoa Joe questioned how much Kofi had left in him when Xavier Woods, who is not near the announce desk, just yells, he's got a lot left, Joe. So that's, that's kind of funny. Uh, so Sheamus goes up to the top, but uh, Kofi catches him, hits him with a Russian leg sweep. Uh, the two exchange roll-ups. Kofi catches him with a Trouble in Paradise and picks up the win. So it was a decent match. Um, you know, a lot better than the other crappy matches on the show. So I can't fault it too much. So then we had uh, Mustafa Ali with a promo. So uh, I'll talk about the promo first and then say why this is stupid. So Ali actually cuts a really good promo here. He said that the Hurt Business and uh, Wyatt are mistaken by thinking... Uh, like strength in numbers is his only strength. Uh, he says that he also has strength in causing chaos. He says only needing a laptop and a cell phone. I'm one click away from making everybody's world come crumbling down. He says he sat at home over the summer because WWE, he called him a corrupt company. Couldn't figure out how to make a guy, um, how to make money with a guy named Mustafa Ali. He says that uh, he didn't just sit at home watching though. He watches other wrestlers stab each other in the back, uh, learning all their secrets. And then finally, Ali admits that indeed he was the hacker that was on SmackDown. So uh, 
he said that he found some good individuals who had been also left behind and united them. So that's T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack, and what's-her-face, Mia Yim. Uh, so he basically says he promised uh, that their truths would be heard and promised that if anybody tried to stop them, he, I'm quoting them here, we will shut you down. So that's like their new thing, I guess. So it was a very good promo by Ali. It was a great promo for Retribution. The problem is they lost at the beginning of the show. Right. They were geeks and got beaten up at the beginning of the show. They are losers. And now he cuts his promo. Also, I want to say... Not to mention we got a replay of them getting beat, losing the match, and then getting beat down by The Fiend before this promo. So, great way to set it up. Yeah, so he, Ali is, is saying he's the hacker now, right? Yes. He's upset that they would not book a guy named Mustafa Ali. He thinks they're a corrupt company. What did the hacker achieve? He brought together uh, Mandy Rose and Otis. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much what he did. All and a bunch happened. of losers from NXT. And they had a generator with a Molotov cocktail. And they broke a window. It's true. And they but threw yes, a brick through and already his broke career is that. I mean, we did say from the get-go that the whole hacker thing and Ali being the hacker at this point makes no sense. But at least they connected it in some point. So, like, fine. And, I mean, I'm guessing he's going to do that moving forward because they obviously can't win matches. And it was also funny that he said that his only strength isn't in numbers, even though they lost at the beginning of the show. So they don't even have that. It was a good promo. That's the thing. That's what sucks about this. It was a good promo. Yeah. A good wrestler. And something that made this gimmick interesting, this group interesting, adding Ali. But they ruined it because they had to beat him. Yes. They're dead now. So they are dead. Uh, also, the Hurt Business didn't seem to care because they're in the back after this promo laughing. Titus O'Neil walks up and wisely wants to join them because, I mean, hey, everybody who's not you know, in the Hurt Business is losing to them. Um, but basically, they turn him down and they beat him up. So they are definitely not baby faces either in this, which is, again, stupid. Right. So then one of the only... I guess the Ali promo was good, even though like all the other circumstances surrounding it were pretty stupid. The promo in itself is pretty good. Also, the best thing to happen on the show by far. Miz and Morrison were in the ring. Uh, apparently they have a match with Tucker and a tag team partner. I don't even remember this getting set up, but they come out and ask Tucker, who's even going to be your partner? Otis is on SmackDown now. He can't be your partner. So who is going to be your partner? Tucker says, guys, I know you don't think I have a partner, but actually I was able to scour the world and I was able to find one of the world's premier luchadors. And then he introduces El Gran Gordo. What's that translate to Kyle? <laughs> that translates to the big fat. <laughs> <laughs> the big fat. Uh, so the big fat comes out. Uh, it's of course it's Otis. In a pink mask, pink tights. He's got a cape on. Uh, his beard is like sticking out from underneath the mask. It's hilarious. Didn't t- didn't didn't Otis rock that look though? Yes, he did. <laughs> I mean, he really did. But it did not fool Miz for a second because he immediately says, 
that's Otis in a mask. <laughs> Tucker says, no, it isn't. And Miz goes, he's holding his lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> he said that it looks like he ate the Lucha house party. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Tucker assures him that this is not uh, Otis. It is in fact El Gran Gordo to which Gran Gordo grabs the mic and speaks Spanish, which is, he said something in Spanish and still said Tucky. I forget what he said, but it was hilarious. <laughs> He was, he basically said like, it was like, yo soy tuke. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So so, the Miz gets angry. He cuts a promo on him, calls Otis a pig in a mask. So Otis and Tucker had enough. They come down and clear the ring. I mean, the match was like nothing, but it was so hilarious. Like I didn't really mind it. Uh, but then, so Otis basically gets the hot tag. He does an arm drag. He does arm drags and a cartwheel. <laughs> Just in- insane. Uh, but then to ruin everybody's fun, our truth runs out, followed by all the losers chasing him for the 24 seven title. Just why is this even a thing? Miz gets distracted. It allows Gordo to hit a caterpillar and a Vader bomb and pick up the win. So Miz and Morrison still doing the job to Otis and uh, Tucky on raw, but Hey, it was still pretty hilarious. So, um, and then in the back we had a, brief reuniting of Gordo and Mandy Rose. And she, you know, was, uh, it was at least nice to see. I was worried that Mandy just like completely abandoned, uh, Otis, but she at least got to see him here. So, cause that would have not made her look much like a baby face. If she just like, so I think they my boyfriend. Yeah. I think they finally figured out what to do with the, uh, money in the bank briefcase. Uh, El Gran Gordo is going to, uh, cash it in for the cruiserweight title. That would be something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would actually be pretty hilarious, but I don't think they're that smart. Uh, So then we had a uh, Firefly Funhouse segment, the season premiere of the Firefly Funhouse segment on Raw. We have Bray. He's going through a bunch of like a box full of like props. And uh, he introduces us to the, the show calls it the season premiere says he can't wait to meet new friends on raw. He laughs as like, we get fiend highlights of him destroying everybody. Uh, so he embraces laughing out loud. And all of a sudden we hear another laugh in the background, a woman's laughed. I mean, obviously. So Bray goes and, you know, he opens the door to reveal Alexa. She comes through. She's got a ripped up red sweater of her own. Uh, she says their fun is just getting started and both wave goodbye. I mean, it was a very short segment. I mean, I was fine with it. I would have rather just this been on the show and not the dumb crap with her business and retribution at the beginning. But so this was great. It's fine. And honestly, I'm excited to see what they do as a duo. Uh, Not necessarily with her business and retribution, because I'm guessing that's where they're going with this, but just them as a duo. I'm happy to see, but um, yeah, I wish it was just with somebody else. So a uh, fine segment for what it was. We then got Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman. <sighs> this match. So it went all three minutes. It was technically the main event of the show. The season premiere of Monday Night Raw. The big post-draft Monday Night Raw. The go-home show to Hell in the Cell, and the main event is three minutes. 
Sherman was in control. He basically runs over Lee on the outside, tries for a power slam, but he collapses due to his injured ribs at the hands of Roman Reigns. So at least they're selling injuries, I guess. Uh, Lee hits a splash for a near fall. Strowman then steals Roman Reigns' gimmick, hits an accidental low blow or incidental low blow as Lee's like trying to pick him up. He like headbutts him in the groin, I guess. So this allows Braun Strowman to pick up Keith, or no, he hits him with a running boot and pins Keith Lee clean in the middle. I mean, I guess he low blowed him, but I don't care. He knocked him out, he beat him. Yeah, so, so you want to talk about bad booking decisions on this show, of, of a show that has done random women's tag teams, put Peyton Royce back with some other rando, has made Retribution lose, which I don't really care about because they're worthless anyway, and as far as I'm concerned, they were already dead, to make Keith Lee lose. Keith Lee came in, beat Randy Orton in seven minutes, had like six non-finished matches, and now he's lost to Braun Strowman. Give me a break. You want to talk about ruining someone that has all the star potential in the world, and apparently they want him to be a star, and I'm sorry I've been waiting an hour to rant on this, for someone that they w- apparently want to be a star, and then they just ruin him. And what, are they, what are they doing? What are they doing this this guy? They make him look like an idiot because it comes up with generic music. They change his gear like four times. It still looks terrible. This guy, I mean, he has star written all over him, guys. What are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm done. yeah, I mean... And it's the same with Matt Riddle. Like, he, so much potential. Even if you, you're not a fan of his promos, just let him wrestle. The dude's good in the ring. He's got, I mean, he's jacked. And I know he's got baggage, but, I mean, they're keeping him on as a wrestler. You might as well use him while you can. Um, so, I mean, he's on the, he's on the show, supposed to be the one of the premier baby faces of the show. He's scared of a giant guy clenching his fist. We got Keith Lee out here. And it's, what's even worse, Matt, I mean, you're you're right. He's out here losing to Braun Strowman for no reason. Not only does he do that, I mean, yes, Braun Strowman was a dastardly heel by doing the low blow. But after Braun wins and he's celebrating, Keith Lee just goes up and turns him around and then boots him in the balls. It's like he's just a sore loser at that point. I mean, I know he got yeah. low blowed and he's, he's you could say, oh, he's returning the favor. I don't care. Like. He just looks like a sore loser. He just goes and like kicks him in the balls and like win in the ring. Like you couldn't even you couldn't beat him in the ring. I don't know. I I hate this too. It's so dumb. Lee yells at him after he kicks him in the balls. Like it's just stupid. They don't know how to do any. If your name isn't Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns, well, it's not even Roman Reigns anymore. But they they don't know how to book baby faces at all. Like, I mean. Does does Captain America or does Iron Man kick somebody in the balls? You know, like does Captain America get scared of Thanos? No. Like it, they're supposed to be heroes, good guys on the show, this television show they're booking. Kids are supposed to look up to these guys and be. Did Hulk Hogan ever get scared of Andre the Giant because he clenched his fist at him? Like no, I don't understand it. It's like. Do you not want to make money? Do you not want to produce a good show? Like, it's no wonder all these ratings are so bad. They're they're getting record lows. Nobody cares about the draft. Because you're booking a bad television show. Like, this show is so stupid. I hated it. And we're not even done with it yet. So, this main event segment is also equally dumb. Yes. Uh, Orton comes out. There's like six minutes left in the show. He, he goes and they just lower the giant red cage around him. 
He locks himself inside. Who knows why? He cuts a promo, basically recalling all of his Hell in a Cell matches, which I had forgotten all the ones he had. But he talks about you know having him with the likes of Mark Henry, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan, twice with John Cena, even winning the world title twice, and even talks about facing the Undertaker and earning his respect in Hell in a Cell. So he actually has a long Hell in a Cell track record. But Drew McIntyre interrupts. He comes out. He can't get in the cage, so Orton taunts him. So Drew just goes and finds some bolt cutters behind the barricade. Uh, Orton gets scared, so he runs and grabs a chair. McIntyre breaks the cage, goes in. They're going to fight each other in the, in the cage, give you a preview of the show that's coming up on Sunday. When the screen goes black and the show ends. Like, no preview. You don't need to see what happens. As soon as Drew McIntyre gets in the cage, they end the show. Just, wow. This show sucked. I hated it. Uh, Ollie's promo was good. Uh, Firefly Funhouse was fine. El Gran Gordo was a shining light of joy in this show that was like horrible. I give it a D minus because of that. But man, it's about as close to the F as you can get. Like I was so angry after this was over. I don't care about Raw at all. I think the new tradition going into Hell in a Cell is they have no idea what the matches are going to be. Yeah, they've got like three matches booked. Last year, one of the worst pay-per-views of all time, in my opinion. And they had like, what, two matches booked going into it? This year uh, seems to be going the same way. They've got three. That I th- so they've got Sasha and Bailey. They've got Randy, Sasha Bailey. Randy uh, Orton and Drew. Yep, Roman and Jay. And now they just booked Elias and, and Jeff. Elias and Jeff. So that's more than last year. So at four matches. And Friday is the last show before the pay-per-view. And it's going to be on FS1. And I'm not looking forward to any of these. I'm not even looking forward to Randy and Drew. Like, they've wrestled 100 times. If Randy Orton wins this, I'm going to be so mad. The only match I'm looking forward to is Sasha and Bailey. I still won't watch it, but... I'm not even really... I mean, they made Sasha and Bailey such dash with the heels and then just turn Sasha. Like, I don't even really care about their match. Jay, I mean, Jay and Roman had the has the most going for it story wise, but yeah. Other than that, I'm not looking forward to anything. This draft sucks. The these shows suck. Raw. I mean, SmackDown was okay, but I can't see it being much better than what it was on Friday. So, just yeah, not looking forward to uh, what's coming up. So yeah. Uh, Brawl definitely had it was a D minus show. It was just not good. I want to hold F's for like absolutely bottom of the barrel. Like I said, there were some things on the show that could have been good or, you know, like were decent. So yeah. But I mean it's as low as a D minus you can get. Okay. That that sounds about right from what you've explained. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys have anything else before we close this out? No, I haven't had anything for like an hour. (laughs) And that's perfectly fine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, did you have, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 I'm I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 137 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me at Wrestle Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Ladies and gentlemen, 137 episodes in. Thank you so much. We hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day.
See ya.